0: Bibles to Matthew Chapter Five Matthew Chapter Five, we're looking at the similitudes. Ye are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And I'm going to jump right in. A lot to cover here this morning. Even though this is the second message on this topic, it says, Ye are the light of the world, verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to jump right in. We left off on we are the light of the world. What we're talking about here is that basically our, our role, our function in the world as lights doesn't have any boundaries uh, geographically or ethic, uh, ethnically. Um, We are a light to all people groups, all areas of the world, collectively, of course. The reason that the world needs us as lights is because individuals are in darkness. So I want to just share a few verses from the New Testament to talk about how individuals, unbelievers, are in darkness. The first one I'll have you turn to is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. My reason for having you turn here, instead of just quoting it, because I want to read a few verses after. We'll start in verse 3. Men, of course, love darkness. They hate God's light. They'll not admit it, but the individuals. They are in darkness. Verse 3, but if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden from them that are lost. In whom the God of this age hath blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, Notice their minds are blinded, lest the light of the glorious gospel shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6 is what I wanted to get to. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. When did he do that? When did God command the light to shine out of darkness? Creation. Hath shone in our hearts... So the same miracle of creation is true in salvation when God dispels the darkness of our souls and he shines in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But don't stop there. Look at the next verse. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of God commanding the light to shine in darkness, and now that light has shone in our hearts to give that light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have that treasure in earthen vessels. And the reason is that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Salvation is a miracle where God dispels the darkness of our souls, the darkness of individual souls, and brings the light of the knowledge, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers... For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And the answer to that is, there is none. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. This I, they, this I say therefore in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated, from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Acts 26, verses 17 and 18. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice that from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that's what happens in salvation. John 3:19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Reason God has set us as lights to this world is that individuals are lost in the darkness of their sin, and the darkness of their ignorance, the darkness of their understanding and the blindness of their heart. And they need to be let out of that. But not only are we talking about the darkness that is engulfing individuals, we're talking about the darkness in this world in general First John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then Matthew 4, 15 and 16, the land of Zebulun land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, speaking of Christ. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. This world is in darkness, and the world is filled with people who are individually in darkness, and we have been set, positioned, by God as lights to individuals and to the world in general. Now, as we move on in the verse, two illustrations are given, two pictures, if you would, of our role or our function. Some would say our placement, our position, our presence in relation to the world. I'm going to give you two points here. Number one, light, positioned properly, cannot be hidden. And number two, light positioned properly lights all within its reach. So the first point, light positioned properly cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so the function or the role of light when properly placed or positioned is that it has a very significant position, or you could say significant presence, And that presence is an inescapable presence. It is an inescapable presence. The point of that is, just like a city set on a hill, we cannot escape the notice of other people. None of us can escape the notice of others. If we are what we have been made, we'll stand out. We cannot be hidden. We will be seen. So it is an inescapable presence or role that we have in this world, but it is also an uh, unavoidable presence or role. It is what we are as followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we have become because that's what God has made us. So it is an inescapable presence. It is an unavoidable presence. It is an obvious presence, like a city that is set on a hill. It is a presence that you just cannot hide. It stands out. We are to be something in this world that is quite different from anybody else, and it should be obvious. Now, this, is often, this illustration is often misunderstood. What we have to ignore is, as we interpret this, is the fact that light to us is very accessible and very available. Walk into a room, you flip the switch, the light comes on. When you are out in the woods or the wilderness, far from a city, it's very dark. Nature can be dark, even black. I was up in Canada for a couple of, three or four different fishing trips in Canada. If you're in Canada, a hundred miles or more from the nearest city, it would be dark. It was a cloudy day, you know, cloudy night. It would be dark. It would be black. However, if there's a city nearby, maybe even a 100 miles away, it's not quite so dark. the reason is, is the light reflects off the clouds and it relieves the darkness. The darkness will not be absolute. That city cannot be hidden. It can be seen from very far away. Now interpret this at the time that Jesus was speaking it, where all that they had for light were lamps and candles. They did not have the hundreds of watts of electricity that we have available today for their personal use. When we can imagine this, and we can understand the terror darkness could be, and how it symbolizes all that is evil. At that time, a city on a hill, giving off the collective light of all of the households lit by those olive oil lamps or people walking in the streets with their lamps, it would light the surrounding landscape, and that city could be seen for a great distance. It actually made the darkness of the wilderness a little more bearable because the city could be seen. Now, we need to interpret this in the light of that culture. And so that city on a hill could not be hidden. It's not like the light we have today. Those flickering olive oil lamps of that city set on a hill, if anyone was traveling, they could see that city from a great distance. And Jesus is saying, that's what we are. So, light positioned properly cannot be hidden just like a city on a hill, cannot be hidden. The second point is that light positioned properly lights all within its reach, and that's the lamp in the house. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, I've heard this preached on before. Numerous times, maybe you have as well. And people like to say, well, the city on the hill is your public ministry and the, the lamp in the house is your private ministry. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about positioning light properly. And it's giving you two examples. The one room, windowless houses of Palestine were often lit by an olive oil clay lamp. And the light in a house is valuable. So no one would take that valuable light and hide it under a bushel, a peck measure. The light is to shine unhindered. And so we too must not let anything hinder us from shining. The whole purpose of lighting a lamp is so it will give its light and it is kept burning and, and is being used for the purpose for which it was designed. And so they would take it and they would place it where it belonged. We normally had a specific place in that house for that lamp to be set. And the olive oil lamp was placed in a, a, a specific location so that it would give light to the entire house. Placing it under a peck measure would not be the proper position. It would put the whole house in darkness. The appropriate use and the purpose of the lamp is to be placed in a position so that it could be of the most use. Its presence in relation to the room is very, very important. So there is a danger here in this particular illustration of a believer behaving in this way, hiding his life, as it were. God has made us the light of the world, and it would be foolish, it would be ridiculous to conceal it, just as it would be as foolish and ridiculous to take a light and put it under a bushel. If that light ceases to be in the place where it should be placed, it has no value. and i would say that a person who desires not to shine is not a believer in the first place so for us as a believer we need to shine luke 11:35 says take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness and so the two illustrations tell us that number 1 we can't be hidden Light positioned properly cannot be hidden, and light positioned properly lights all that are within its reach when it's placed in the right position. Remember, I started out this sermon by talking about God has placed us where we are. And now we get to the practical application of our placement, our position as lights. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this is the practical application. Let your light, the light that you have from Christ, the fact that he shined or shone or shined in your heart to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that light that he has made you, let your light, now what's interesting here, This is not a fact. Let your light. This is an imperative. This is a command. This is what we are to do. Our very purpose as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to shine. It's not an option for us. We are lights. We are luminaries for the Lord reflecting his light. It's not an option. For someone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is the nature of light to shine. And when a person has been saved, he will shine. We are part of God's purpose to illumine this world. He has placed us in our positions where we are so that we can function as a light, shining in this dark world to individuals engulfed in darkness. Our presence in this world is for the purpose of shining. Now, I just want to key in on that word light really quick before I move on. Light is so lost people may see the things of God and they may see them through us. And light is kind of a universal religious symbol that represents. Purity or holiness as opposed to filth and sin. Or truth as opposed to error and ignorance. And you saw that in those verses that I quoted about the individual and their heart being blinded and they're, un- and they're, they're, they're in their ignorance and their understanding being darkened. So we are to function as that. But it says, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. What does that refer to? It refers to the two illustrations. Like a city that is set on a hill, let your light so shine. Like a lamp that's positioned properly in a house, let your light so shine. This is summarizing those pictures, if you would, and applying them to us. The role or function of the light is to give its light. It can't be hidden. It will light all that are in the house. That was its purpose. The result of its presence is to light all, the landscape around the city which can't be hidden, and all those that are in the house. But here's where it gets really interesting, is the emphasis is on so and shine. So, in the Greek, is actually the first word in the sentence. It is not, let your light shine so that men may see. That was the idea or the attitude of the Pharisees. They lived their life in such a way that they would blow a trumpet before they gave money in the offering. Or they would stand on the street corners, often ordering their day so that they would be at a particular street corner so that they could stop and pray at the time of prayer. And Their whole motivation behind all of that was so that men could see. The idea... Here is, so let your your light shine, and men will see. There's a difference in the motivation. Let your light shine, and they will see. You're not letting it letting your light shine, so they will see. You are to so let your light shine, and men will see. Do you see the difference? It's a difference of motivation. As a city that's set on a hill, if we shine, we cannot be hidden. We are to be visible. It is the nature of light to be visible. It is the nature of a disciple to shine. And the light that comes from us relieves the darkness. Or as a lamp in the house, we are to shine unhindered so that our full value may be seen and used. And so, let your light so shine. But notice it says that we're to let it shine before men, before Men, they're going to see our good works. Notice it says before men, not for their benefit, but in their presence. We don't flaunt our good works. They will see our good works, but we don't flaunt those good works. And this, notice, I've got to be careful here. The light that is shining is not what we say. The light that is shining is our good works, which are visible. The light is our good works. We're not talking about just moral good works. The idea here is beautiful works, attractive works. Works that attract the admiring attention of others. And this is why we have been designed. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are his workmanship. Actually, the Greek word for workmanship, if I'm not mistaken, is the Greek word we get our, uh, our English word poem from. Poem. It's a, the idea of a beautiful work. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're talking about the decrees of God. One of the decrees of God is once we have been saved, we are to have these good works and we're to walk in them. So how do we shine? We shine by our conduct and life. In Matthew's terminology, he uses the idea of fruit. You can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit that it produces, good or bad. And so our life and our works will tell that we are lights. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation, your manner of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, not what you say, but by your good works, which they shall behold, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. Now some will glorify God when they see the good works. But many will glorify God in the day of visitation. And so for Matthew, the idea of good works is comparable to the fruit that he mentions in Matthew 7, verses 17 to 20. And so for Matthew, good works, righteousness, fruit, they're all kind of interrelated. It is a life that is lived that is consistent with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Men will see by our works that we are followers of Christ. Each of us, each of us have people that can and ought to see our good works. We don't do it for their benefit. We don't do it the wrong motivation like the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. But each of us have people that will be viewing our lives And folks, we're fooling ourselves if we don't think people are watching. God has a purpose for where he has placed us, where he has positioned us. One of those purposes says that they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. So by our good works that the men will see, people will see, God is glorified. And so the focus of our lives is not to draw attention to ourselves, but the focus of our lives is to point people to God so that they glorify him. Now Peter said, as I read that verse, it may not happen until the day of visitation, but it will happen. If people are looking to us as we live as a believer, we are not living right the observer's attention should be drawn away from us to God. Now, folks, that is difficult, no doubt, because the good works are seen. And we need to make sure our motivation behind those good works is proper. But when they see them, do they think about us or do they think about God? Now, How do others give glory to God? It says that you know, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. There will be some people that through our lives will be saved and they will give glory to God for your life that was used to bring them to Christ. Or there will be some that we as Jesus was, our lights to this world, our good works like a light in the darkness, stand to either draw men to Christ, the first group I talked about, or the second group was, will be that they will react with contempt and hatred. Those who are drawn will recognize and acknowledge the transforming presence of God in our lives. Those who hate us and persecute us, they will one day give glory to God, but it will be at the last judgment. So let me conclude these verses that we are the light of the world. D.A. Carson said this, The norms of the kingdom worked out in the lives of the heirs of the kingdom constitute the witness of the kingdom. Our lives lived according to the pattern that God, that Christ has spoken, become a witness to the kingdom of God. Acts 13.47 says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee a light Set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Specifically spoken to the Apostle Paul. Now how? How do we shine? How do we have these good works? How do we apply this? Number one, you need to be saturated with the word of God saturated with the word of God. 2 Peter 1.19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in, dark, in a dark place. Talking about how the word of God shines into our hearts until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And spoken of in a different with a, under, under the idea of a different concept, Psalm one nineteen one oh five. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's talking about guidance. But the word of God being saturated with the word of God helps us to be the light that we ought to be. Jesus said, Now they are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And, of course, any darkness in our lives, sin, can be dispelled through being saturated by the Word, looking into the mirror of the Word of God, and having our lives transformed by the Word of God. And as we are spending time in the Word of God, we are spending time with Christ, who is the living Word. And that's the second point. How do we become the lights that we ought to be? How do we shine to the brightest extent that we possibly can? Spend time with Christ. Live in his presence. Brother Greg, how is that different from being saturated with the word? Because I've known people who can go through a Bible reading plan of the Bible for a year or a month. I did that. I went through the whole Bible in a month or two. But if it does not change you into Christ-likeness, it's doing you no good. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's in that passage where Paul is discussing what happened to Moses when he went up on the mount and spent time with Christ, and his face was shining. And that's what our time in the Word has got to be like. We come away shining. Number three. And if you would, turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Be saturated with the Word. Spend time with Christ and live in his presence. And number three, stay away from sin. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We've got the idea of truth and light and fellowship and sin in this passage. We need to stay away from sin. We need to cast off the works of darkness. Romans 13, 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Ephesians 5, 11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Be saturated with the word. Spend time with Christ, living in his presence, and stay away from sin. And the proof... The proof that we are what the Bible says we are is found in the next chapter of 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Brethren, I write no, no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not where he goeth, because darkness hath blinded his eyes. One of the proofs that you are letting your light shine is found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship, one with another. And in chapter 2, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the proof that we're letting our light shine. We are not living in isolation from other people. We are living with a community of believers wherein there should be love and fellowship, and that's proof that we're letting our light shine. Now what? As we shine, what will we show? What may we show to others around us? Well, don't you think as we are letting our light shine and people are viewing our good works, that they are seeing that the gospel is powerful and that the gospel is true and that the gospel transforms lives? But I think what we're also showing is this. A holy life is possible. A holy life is practical. A holy life is joyful. And that life of holiness is desirable. How do we show it? We show it in private and public, of course. What we say, what we do in private and public. But we we should show it In natural and appropriate ways. Under all circumstances, in all places, we're to let our light shine. How's that done? Well, don't stifle your songs of praise, let unbelievers hear it. Unbelievers will see our patience under trial. Unbelievers will see our trust in God through all circumstances, all trials, all distress. Unbelievers will see our help of the sick and the dying. Unbelievers will see our love for one another. And beloved unbelievers will hear of our our affairs In the church. So, the questions that we can ask ourselves, and one of these hits very, very close to home, so you'll figure it out when I get there. When things don't go our way, do we pout? Do we get angry? Do we show a temper? When people make a mistake, do we lose our patience? Do we get angry? Cash register clerk at a store? In a restaurant, do you pray publicly? Do you show patience with the waiter or the waitress? What do you do when the order is wrong? What about other drivers? Yeah, this is the one that hits home. How are you when you're driving down the road and you're by yourself and that person cuts you off? Or he hits his brakes when there's nothing around him or a reason for him to hit his brakes? Or He pulls out right in front of you where you got to hit your brakes, and he turns 100 feet down the road. Oh, yeah, that got you. Or my biggest pet peeve, people who don't know how to use the on and off ramps, and they expect me to move over, and they're just going to ride right alongside my trailer expecting me to hit my brakes or slow down or speed up to let them in. How about in the hospital? Do people see your calm spirit, your trust in God? I guess what I'm asking is, can people see that there's something different about us by the way that we talk, the way that we act, even under difficult circumstances? See, our walk needs to be holy. God is like And we were sometimes darkness, but now are we light in the Lord. We're to walk as children of light. And the only way we can do that is what the actual, the the oil, olive oil clay lamps symbolize. Because often in the New Testament, or the Old Testament as well, the Holy Spirit is like that oil. The Holy Spirit is symbolized as oil. And we can only shine as we are rightly related to the person of the Holy Spirit within us. We've not grieved Him. We've not quenched Him. We're following His leading. We're walking in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will be shining. Nothing makes a man so illustrious as the manifestation of virtue For he shines as if clad with sunbeams. We need to shine. And we need to be motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So let your light shine. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Nobody changed that clock, right? I know I went long, but I didn't go after 1 o'clock. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, and he has made us lights. The only way we could be lights is that he took the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's shown it into our hearts so that we would be the lights he intended for us to be.